Hello and welcome to Kyrinos Finsight, the podcast that explores some of the most pressing topics for financial services. Insights that help you navigate today and anticipate tomorrow. Hello and welcome to another Finsights podcast where we dig into the implications of breaking news in financial services. The Bank of Canada has raised rates for a sixth time in a row. This time, 50 basis points. The benchmark overnight lending rate is now four and a quarter percent, the highest since early 2008. We're here today with Kevin Travis, Executive Vice President of Curanos, to discuss the state of play in Canadian banking and the implications of this latest rate hike. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin. And before we dive into Canadian banking, can you tell us what your role entails at Curanos? Yeah, hi, Rutger. Um, yeah, I'm um, in charge of all of our sales and, and, and business in Canada, particularly. I spend most of my time thinking about and worrying about the Canadian market and helping the Canadian banks, both big and small, get more revenue. Great. Well, welcome to the podcast. So, Kevin, tell us a little bit about the, the state of Canadian banking today against the backdrop of the economy. Is the Canadian banking industry healthy? Yes. I mean, the Canadian banking industry is extremely healthy, generally speaking, and has been for, we've certainly, you know, certainly for the last 50 years. This is a very stable and healthy um, set of companies. I think that that fundamentally, you know, unlike other big Anglophone economies like the UK and the US, the Canadian banking industry survived the GFC almost entirely unscathed. Many would argue through prudent regulation and prudent policies of the banks themselves, but also the nature of the Canadian economy. What's interesting is that this time around, you know, certainly there is pressure from the interest rates on the balance sheets, but fundamentally there's no real worry about credit quality in the short run, um, other than the normal worries that occur when you see such high indebtedness of the Canadian consumers. Yeah, that's uh, that's the other question. What about Canadian consumers and 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 small businesses and businesses in general in Canada? You know, it, you know, think about the Canadian economy as it's it's financial services commodities like oil and food, timber, minerals and mining. These are these are all the big drivers of the Canadian economy. And what's interesting about it is obviously we have a lot of cyclical and countercyclical elements at work here. So businesses are actually very healthy. There's not a lot of worry at the moment about looming bankruptcies or um, um, liquidity challenges in the in the business market. I think the Canadian consumer for years we've talked about them as being among the most indebted in the OECD. But despite that indebtedness, there hasn't been a servicing crisis or a credit crunch in, in the last 20 years. I think the one issue right now is given that we're seeing interest rates rise at the fastest rate in almost 40 years, and, and therefore, you know, we're seeing the landscape change dramatically. The biggest concern is really with the housing market and whether the floating rate mortgage resets that are coming through will squeeze the consumer and lead to changes in the fundamental asset base. But other than that, no, I think it's relatively healthy. Now, in the U.S., rates and betas are rising quickly after an initial lag, both for consumers and commercial banking. Are, are you seeing the same thing in Canada? Definitely. And I think, and I think interestingly, we went into this interest rate con- set of conditions with excess liquidity at almost all the institutions, with very few exceptions, mostly driven by both reduced spending, um, a lot of the government support programs, both for the consumers and for businesses that contributed to that. And so there was definitely a lag. And, and you know, we typically see rising betas after about 100 basis points. I think it was a little bit later this time around, probably around 150 basis points before that kicked in. But by June of this year, we saw very high beta 
and we saw a significant change in both interest rate conditions at the banks, but also, frankly, in the competitiveness of the market at that point. So then, then what about churn? Is there a lot of switching or rate-seeking behavior? You know, it's funny. Um, the Canadian, on one hand, there's very little churn in the Canadian market generally from a bank perspective, meaning one, 1.5%. In general, that's household switching, in fact, come down over the last 10 years. And that's compared to, say, the high in the U.S. in, in the period after the GFC was around 15%. So you can compare that for contrast. So in general, it's low. And frankly, most Canadian banking relationships come from either young people coming into the system or new to Canada. Lots of business driven by new to Canada. That said... Promotional pricing, savings, and GICs in Canada has been growing dramatically over the last 15 years, such that each time we go through a rate cycle, there's significant uptick in savings churn. And Kiranos kind of looks at this and says, we think there's probably multiple billions of dollars of what we would think of as hot money sloshing around the balance sheets, largely hidden in the sense that it's you can't see it as clearly in the numbers until you get deep on the analytics. But a lot of banks are renting substantial portions of that liquidity on a, on a kind of rotating basis. So low churn overall, but pretty growing and pretty high churn in the savings books. So still something to, to keep an eye on. Now, comments from the central bank indicate that there may be a pause in rate hikes from here. What, what, what will that mean for Canadian banks? There's some there's some evidence that mortgage rates have suddenly plateaued and have started to, to not not so much turn down, but that they are stabilizing. And I think that that's sort of a canary in the coal mine for this idea that we there's some general belief that both from the Bank of Canada guidance itself, but also from the way the market is reacting and what we're seeing in inflation in the developed world, that we will see a pause or that we are reaching sort of the, the plateau. If that's true, I don't think that has a particular consequence for the banks because I don't think we're going to see interest rates dropping very rapidly, at least not in the near term. And so what we may find is that we're in this pause where interest rates have reset to what we might consider to be a higher normal rate. And inside of that, people will be dealing with the consequences on the mortgage book and savings book. But I think a little bit of stability could go a long way. Certainly, this last 18 months has not been one that one would call macroeconomically stable. What, what do you think will be the biggest challenges and opportunities for Canadian banks in 2023? I mean, look, I mean, clearly the issue of mortgages and the mortgage book and how to deal with as customers find that the rate resets that they've experienced, significant portions of the book go through rate reset every year. I think there was, I saw a statistic the other day that said something around 45% of all Canadian mortgages were going to reset within the next two years. And so, you know, there's that piece of it, which is just what's going to happen when people's rates reset as rates reset and people go from mate rate mortgages that perhaps were written at 2.5 or 3% now jump to 5 or 6%. So there may be a significant refinancing boom. But similarly, there may be a change in the nature of the housing market. We've already seen some downward pressure on house prices. So I think, I think the whole the, the whole home secured lending space is one to watch very carefully, and that the banks will be paying very close attention to. I think another piece of this is is that as we go through this rate cycle yet again, the real lesson for the banks on the deposit side of the house 
is that the analytics, if you look at the analytics of the Canadian banks compared to the analytics of banks in the UK, Australia, and, and the US, it has always felt like at the level of customer granularity in terms of able to ability to predict individual customer behavior, really separate out behaviorally money that is simply shopped and constantly fungible versus core relationship dollars and, and actually build the system around those types of segments. I think that's generally been weaker in Canadian banks than it has been in other markets like the U.S. I think the U.S. is stronger because of the deeply competitive nature of the, of the banking market, such that there are banks in the U.S. that are constrained in deposits and there are banks that are flush. Whereas in Canada, generally speaking, the big five, big six, and some of their larger regional competitors have generally been able to count on a fairly stable and, and, and steady base of liquidity. I think what's changing around that now is that each time we've gone through one of these rate cycles over the last 15 years, we have noticed the increase in savings churn and the increase almost like an arms race in promotional deposit rates. And that and and so what's happening is, is that the banks are in larger and larger portions of their book are actually churning in ways that the existing analytics don't necessarily predict. So I think that there's a there needs to be a real focus on the understanding that deposits are not an endless supply, that they are in fact scarce. And particularly as digital banks and others continue to grow, unlike other markets, we haven't seen disruption here from digital banks in the savings space other than Tangerine, which is owned by Scotia. And so on the one hand, it's easy to be complacent. On the other hand, the liquidity positions of the banks continue to evolve. And of course, the market itself is evolving. Focusing on that savings piece of the book is going to matter a huge amount going into the next year, as well as, frankly, nailing down primacy. Do you really know who's your who's your customer or not? So, again, within this low churn environment, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of let's call it hidden attrition um, right. and that may not be self-evident. Right. So ch main challenge looking at sort of um, financing in the real estate market opportunity around understanding your customer who who is your prime customer who's not and and understanding better sort of like how deposits money moves around as as rates are higher that's those are those are two very good uh things to to look out for for 2023 thank you kevin for your insights and for joining us today as always thank you to our curanos finsights team uh, robin seidel is our director of thought leadership editing and production by our senior designer adrian cohen Project management by our marketing communications manager, Megan Brissett. Music is by Vision Studios. I'm your host, Rutger Van Fossen. You can find more insights at curanos.com. Please subscribe and review wherever you listen to podcasts.